Hey, welcome back to Hope Wednesdays. I am Elisa Flakes and I am your host. Here at Hope Wednesday, we integrate psychology and theology. We take on subjects, we begin the conversation of topics and of issues that we struggle with here um, throughout our life. And we try to, well, we don't try, but we bring resolution, we bring hope, we bring helps to walk in healing if you will allow the work to be done and if you take power and join us in implementing some of the skills that are given here on Hope Wednesday. I'm excited today about our topic. Actually, I have binary thoughts. I'm excited, but I'm also, I feel eh, kind of difficult to, um, feeling some feelings of difficulty and um, delivering this message because I know human behavior and I know spiritual behavior. And when you start to go into areas that are uncomfortable for people, they tend to want to ignore it. They tend to want to uh, minimize it. And I can feel the pushback because, you know, as a therapist and as um, a spiritual person, my discernment is high. My um, behavioral behavioralism skills are high. So I can just kind of sense what's going on. Like last week, I pushed last week's topic like every day to try to get more views so that people can be helped. Not so that you can be be engaged in a relationship with me. This, this site and this, these sessions are about healing. They're not about you joining my fan club, you endorsing me as a human being. I love people and I would love to be in um, community with everyone. However, that is, this is not the platform. I'm not trying to get clients. I have plenty of clients. I am um, an insurance provider, so I'm not lacking. My husband has a good job. God has blessed us. So this is not a ploy for me to get clients. This is not a ploy for me to um, be elevated as a therapist, but this is um, an effort for us to heal the land. This is a mandate. God is asking for us to join him and to accept the life that he died for us to have. So I felt like I needed to give that commercial, that intro so that you all know where I'm coming from. Again, I'm just a piece of the puzzle. I don't have all the answers, but I have answers. I've lived long enough and I've experienced and I've studied and I've dealt with people. I do have answers. I won't back up on that. So this is my um, opportunity to share for us to engage. Again, if you have questions, if you have something you want to talk about, my tech will bring me the questions or I'll answer later. But again, this is a session for us to heal, for us to bring hope. When the world is saying there's no hope, there's just pills, there's just pharmaceutical assistance. I'm here to tell you that there is spiritual help. There are ways to rewire your brain. And we're going to talk about it today. Like I was saying earlier, this is a taboo topic because just like food, people guard the things that help them escape. People guard the things that give them pleasure. So you generally speaking, it's difficult to discuss money. It's difficult to discuss food in the church, especially the African-American church where most people are obese and overweight. I'm working on it. And then it's difficult to talk about sex because that's also pleasure and 
connected to that pleasure sometimes is also shame. So people kind of like, yeah, that's my private life. That's my secret drawer. That's in the corner in the bottom where only my, I go, you know, and that's a private area, but God wants to infiltrate every area of our life because wholeness means that you are complete, that the flow of God and the life of God is flowing to your mental health. It's flowing to your body. It's flowing to your spirit and you are becoming the best that, that God died for you to be. All right, let's open up with prayer because we want to invite the Lord here. There's no way I can do this on my own. I have too many thoughts and I'm just flesh and blood, but we want to invite God. Let's invite him. Dear Lord, I thank you for this session. I ask that you would step in here, that you would grab my attention and that you would flow in wisdom and knowledge and sensitivity and healing, and that you would allow our listeners, oh God, to sustain attention, oh God, bind distractions, oh God, bind biases, oh God, let the words that I speak minister to them, Lord God, bind personality so that people don't feel like they have to like me to receive the message or even agree, but that they would recognize truth and that that truth would make them free. Be with us today and bless us well in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. We have released God's assistance into the session. So we are happy about that. And because, um, Time goes by so fast, like it's 9.10 already. So we'll probably go to 10.10, but I'll try to keep it under that. Um, this is our conclusion of our, our sessions on sex in the brain. We talked about just the history of trauma and how it shapes our sexuality and our, and our um, sexual attachment. And then we talked about sex in marriage. If you haven't had a chance to listen, please go back and follow because it is like algebra. I keep saying it. One concept leads to another concept. And then in order for you to get the right equation, you have to kind of know what we're talking about to be able to connect the dots, but it is in order. And so we stop here today and we're going to talk a little bit about porn. We've been talking about how sex is so sensitive because it taps into our attachment and our identity. And we learned our attachment styles and our identity, like I've been saying for you know, months through our first experiences with our caregiver and throughout life, they're cemented. So our attachment style and sex and even how um, the role of pornography that it plays um, in attachment and identity, we'll get into that. And again, a famous quote by Dr. Miles Monroe that is worth repeating each time I step to the microphone is when purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. We have pre-established the principle of sex, whether or not we want to agree with it, but God's word just is. We can choose to do whatever we want to do with sex, but for the record, if we want to use sex in the way that God designed, it was between Adam and Eve, a man and a woman, and it was for marriage. He said, these two shall be one. Anything outside of that is perversion, meaning that it's being used in a way that wasn't designed. And in that pool of perversion, we have many things and you can't be discriminate and say, well, I just you know, believe in fornication. I just believe in free, free love. Well, there is a pool of perversion. Anything outside of God's will becomes the pool of perversion. And in that pool, you will be dipping with people who believe in bestiality, people who believe in, um, having sex with a corpse. You, you'll get people who believe same sex, women and women, men with men, or all anything outside of 
sex between a mar- a man and a woman in marriage is perversion and you'll get it. It can be anything. And there are so many things that you can go into because the brain, you know, it, it's desperately wicked and it just has many inventions, you know, so just not even to worry about all of those other things. Just know that you've stepped out of the bounds of safety and that you safe stepped out of God's will whenever you're having sex outside of marriage with a man and a woman. So, so that we're clear, that has to be our principle because then we have to understand my son and I were talking, my tech brother, Ty, we were talking about how many times we think that our sin is between, you know, me, us and God. And so it is with pornography. We kind of get the sense that this is my secret sin, or this is my, um, secret struggle. And it's between me and my struggle. But the truth is you're, you are attaching to, it's a very intimate thing that you're doing when you begin, begin to become involved in pornography. It's becomes very intimate because remember we're relational. We attach to something people attach to shopping, eating dogs, hobbies. But in this case, you are attaching sexually to something that is perverted. And then not only are you attaching to the perversion of the actions that you're watching, but you're, you're connecting to the spirit because it is you porn and demonic influence. People don't like to think about that. They don't like to think that there is a devil or there are demonic spirits, but there are, they are evil spirits that are roaming in the earth and there are sexual, um, spirits and demons that you invite into your life and into your sexual arena when you don't do things God's way. And that's where we get a lot of the soul ties. I have a scripture for you and it's first Corinthians six and 16. It says, what know ye not that which is joined to a harlot is one body for two saith he shall be one flesh. So anytime you're engaging sexually, um, with, some someone else, you become one with it. So even perversion, perversion belongs to the enemy. Sin belongs to the enemy. When you step away from God's grace and his protection, now you've entered into entanglement with the person and with the demonic spirit. And that's why spirits, and that's why you have a difficult time um, unleashing and, un, and, you know, disconnecting yourself, going offline from that. I just wanted you to be clear on that. And another thing um, that I wanted to leave you with the scripture, and we'll talk about it more, is Proverbs 27 and 20. And this is the danger of pornography, because you'll never be satisfied. You will never be satisfied. Proverbs 27 and 20 says, Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. It's insatiable. Like you can't, it just, as you, as we go along, you'll hear how you just need more and more and more and you get freakier, freakier until it's just, it's just a mess because it's not God's design. So, um, you just crash and, and burn your brain out. So let's talk about it. There are many reasons why people get into pornography. Usually it can be for recreation, exploration, and remember children can never consent to sex. So if it's recreation as a child, it's abuse. There are CP that's CPS reportable because children should not be integrating sexual experiences into their, um, their lives. They don't have the, the maturity, their prefrontal cortex is not developed. Their emotions are not developed. Their spirits are not developed for that. So they should not be ingesting any type of pornography. Pornography. pornography is, you know, sex, but sex online or in movies. It used to be in the books when I was growing up, you know, Playboy, you know, the internet wasn't pos- um, as popular or created. So it was in books, but for our day and age, it's mostly 
and imagery, which is worse because we know reality TV is so popular because it's real time and it draws your attention and it stimulates more of your mind and more of the chemicals in your brain. So it does more when you're watching it in live time and in video. It's it's a lot different from the images. The images are bad too because it creates fantasy, but nothing is as potent as watching it visually like reality sex. Reality perverted sex. Let me put the disclaimer on that. So yeah, recreation is one way that pornography is introduced as a youth through curiosity or sometimes even in recreation as you become a teenager, your friends are watching it. It may start with just showing you like hot body pictures and then the nudity and, you know, Hollywood makes sure that they, they whet your appetite for it because then they kind of show little nudity throughout films and then they just progress and progress because remember the brain needs needs um, novelty and needs something new. So, and it's never satisfied. So then it, it turns to full blown um, watching pornography. So that's the recreation part of it. We think of it as fun. We think of it as something to do um, with another person. It's just fun, right? That's what they say. Another reason people get into pornography um, at the heart of it, I think the um, the general reason is for, um, because of abuse, I should say trauma, any type of trauma, especially sexual trauma, uh, physical abuse or neglect. It, it usually has a source in some type of abuse because it is so chemical producing in the area of pleasure and reward and pain reduction. I won't go into naming the serotonin levels and all of that because I understand this site. Most of the people, you guys are not trying to hear all that. You just want the bottom line. So just know that the, what it does, um, it, it, it releases pleasure chemicals, relaxation chemicals and pain reduction chemicals. And also bonding makes you feel like one and, and safe. So it just, it spazzes out your reward system and your motivation levels. And so it's kind of works as self-soothing, which is um, another reason why pornography is sought, it becomes a coping mechanism, escapism. So for most people, they found that when I do this, I feel better. I feel relief. I feel reward. I feel alive for the moment. I feel motivated. I feel good. The pain for that moment is, is dissipated for the moment. I said it's dissipated, but then it becomes a healthy cycle of just like any addiction, you know, you feel bad, then you do porn, you watch porn to reduce feeling bad, and then you feel bad again. And so now you do porn again to stop. So it's like, it's a vicious cycle, the guilt, the, 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 the guilt, the porn, the feel good, the guilt, the shame, it's just a circular pattern. And it is escapism. People are self-soothing, just like when it's unhealthy attachment, when you were a baby and maybe your loved ones didn't pick you up, you had to cry yourself to sleep. Well, pornography is a way to self-soothe and people use it as a way to self-soothe, not knowing that they are introducing demonic activity in their participation in the self-soothing. So it's not just you self-soothing, but you're using demonic forces to help you self-soothe. And then um, again, it's escapism. Usually if you have alcohol, if you have marijuana, um, if you have other gluttonous behaviors, then pornography is right up there because again, the, the heart and the mind, it, it just expands itself. And one thing leads to another because sin opens the door for every evil work. The Bible says, so if you are, <clears throat> 
engaging in escapism behaviors like drugs, alcohol, eating, shopping, gambling, then you open the door to pornography because it's all pleasure. It's all sensual. So those are some of the reasons why um, pornography is sought after and pornography is utilized. Recreation to um, because of abuse and self-soothing and then which is escapism. So the way pornography works with attachment, let's talk about that. We're going to talk about pornography and attachment, pornography and identity, porn's impact, I shortened it. Porn's, porn is still pornography. Um, and then healing, because we want to get you to get some um, signs of addictions and then um, healing. We want to get you some help. And we have to do that really quickly. So remember, we're starting the conversation, but we're not ending it. It's an ongoing conversation. I will reroute. We'll be back on this because uh, this is the fastest growing addiction in our country and men but are using it, but women are also increasing in their use of it. And the funny thing is, is I think that not funny, but the ironic thing is, is that um, porn is usually set up to objectify women and women do get involved in it, but usually it is to please the man. And so, and it's geared all of the, the scripts and most of the, um, the plots are geared to satisfy a man so and it is it is like I said a billion dollar probably nearing the trillion dollar mark industry and so it is very popular and it is you know just it's a lot to deal with so pornography and attachment the challenge with pornography and um, attachment is that God created us like I said with sex to be attached to other people when you are utilizing pornography you're in a relationship with just yourself. You're self-focused. It's about you. You don't avail yourself to the vulnerability of reaching out to another being. And we know that God said that it's not good for man to be alone. And that's why he made um, Eve because he didn't want man to be all one. He didn't want man to meet all his needs, but he wanted the vulnerability of being in community of being connected to another person. So he made Eve. So when you're participating in pornography, it is a direct, um, failing or a direct rejection of God's plan for sex in the relational aspect, because we were not supposed to meet our own needs. It's not healthy for you to have sex with yourself. A lot of times when there's masturbation, yes, at an early age, you don't understand and you're maybe fondling yourself and masturbating, but what it, sex with yourself, it can breed same sex relationships because if you become enamored with your penis or with your vagina, then you become, you grow a connection to it. So why wouldn't you like it in another person? Because you have grown connected and you've grown an affinity with your own genitals. Um, so why not seek out same sex relation, same sex relationship? It is never in the mind of God for you to have sex by yourself. Some people have pushed that masturbation is okay. And it's not because sex is between a married man and a married couple, a man and a woman. So masturbation is off the table, saints. I don't care who taught you it. Maybe they have a problem with masturbation, but it's not scriptural and it's not God's word because it entails you're having sex for the wrong purpose and under the wrong principle. And you are engaging in sex in your head and in fantasy. And God did not ordain sex to be um, conducted in that manner. So it just amplifies 
isolation, self-love, and we are moving toward a generation uh, biblically that talks about men becoming lovers of themselves. So we, of course, understand that that would mean an increase in pornography use because it's just me, myself, and I, and I don't have to worry about pleasing anybody. I don't have to worry about being bad in bed. I don't have to worry about uh, dealing with someone else. I am the controller of my sex, sexual satisfaction, and I don't need anyone else. It takes independence to another level. And then um, it is you become, like I said, it's the imagery relationship where you are now having sex in your head and you're not connecting with another person. And we know that Jesus said that if you, um, if a man looks on a woman, with lust and to have her and he, he has already committed adultery in his head. So you're there's with pornography, you begin to have sex in your mind, head sex, and you begin to dream about it, you begin to fantasize about it. In order to reach a climax, in order to get an erection, in order to get an ejaculation, you begin to have head sex, you begin to have uh, sex with imagery and with demonic activity. So that's what you need to understand. You're never alone. When you enter, when you open up the door to sin, you open up the door to the enemy and to, to demonic activity. And so, um, and then uh, your attachment style is thrown off because you begin to objectify your partner. It's not that you're entering into sex to be one and to become one and to enjoy each other and to please one another, but it becomes that I am still one who is trying to get my needs met and you're just a tool that helps me to get my needs met. You are a blow up doll and you are a, um, a, a dildo or something like that. We can have those perspectives on each counterpart where we're just having sex within ourselves and we're not making love to our partner, but we're just enjoying sex in the realm of repetition compulsion, meaning the way that we learned it. So we're just fulfilling our own sexual fantasies and our own sexual desires. You need to be mindful and make sure that pornography is not infiltrating infiltrating the way that you connect with your partner. So that's one way that pornography affects attachment. It makes you objectify people. Um, we were out this weekend, my daughters and I, and the men had wondering eyes, even when they were with their, their girlfriends or maybe even their wives. And I explained to them, not that I try to make every um, situation, a therapeutic situation, but it usually turns out that way. And that's why they're pretty good about, you know, identifying things. But I said, um, the reason why they're able to stare at us and stare at us so long is because when you're used to watching pornography, you begin to see women as objects, not as people. You begin to see sexual ob like breast, you know, behind curvation. Like you begin to see them not as people and human beings, but you see them as sexual um images to satisfy your desire. So you're used to looking. I can always tell a man who struggles with pornography by how long they look at women and how they, you know, struggle not to stare. And it's not to say that even after you're recovering that you have to snap yourself out of it. But that is usually um, a telltale sign that you have objectified. You don't see the person, you only see the breast. And women, when you, um, become the objectified person, then you don't mind men looking at you for your breast, looking at you for your, you know, fake behind or your thighs, or you show more of your body. And what you're doing is you're just objectifying yourself. You're agreeing, you're re-victimizing yourself and you're playing into the script of someone's, um, ill, uh, sexual 
attachment style. So you don't want to do that. Our society is um, setting women up to just be objectified, to just be a body, to just be sexy. Sexy is not beautiful. Sexy is sexy. Beautiful is beautiful. But our society has convinced us that the more cleavage we show, the more leg we show, the more sass we have, that, you know, sensual and sexy is beautiful. It is only beautiful under the guise of marriage. In, in any other way, any, in any other per- perverted lens, it becomes you're being objectified and you are actually participating in the objectifying process. And you, you really have to understand that if you get a man who's comfortable with a woman showing her body and it's his wife or his girlfriend, your man has a pornography problem and he doesn't care to protect you. He's letting you be that image for himself and the world, you know, and, and some people think that, oh, he's just proud of me. No, that's not the case because most men will want to mark their territory and they want to hide it. I know for my husband, he's like, nope, not, nope, not, nope, not, not, you know, so outside of having God's spirit that tells me what's appropriate, I have someone who wants to protect the whole me for himself. So if you have a man that lets you go out like that, then there is a, an issue that pornography has changed their attachment style and the way they connect with you. And they just see you as a sexual being. They don't see you as a, a woman, a human being, someone that they're supposed to be in a healthy relationship with. So let's move forward. I know that probably bored you all because it was just, you know, facts and you want to get to the good stuff. All right. So pornography and identity. It shapes your identity because you become covert. You become very secretive. You become very private. It shapes you. You give the world an image of who they think you are. But deep down, you've got all these dark things going on with you. You may be a preacher. You may be a teacher. You may be a songstress. You may be a bank of a president. you know, of a uh, president of a bank, you may have all this prestige, but underneath you have this secret life. You have this incongruent lifestyle. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on. On one hand, you may be the sheriff. On the other hand, you may be connected to child pornography. And so you're hiding. You don't get to present the real you. It shapes how you present to the world. You may be someone who speaks against, you know, child sex or against, you know, homosexual activity. And you have so much duplicity because that's actually what you're doing. So you're not, your identity has changed. You become overboard and you're preaching against things. But in actuality, you are bowing down to those things and participating. So it changes. It makes you a person that is, that camouflages, that is not living in transparency, that's living a lie and living in secrecy. And then there's a lot of shame. And then there's a lot of guilt. Shame is personal persecution of self and feeling bad and thinking you're bad Whereas guilt is you feel bad about the action. Shame is you feel bad about yourself. So this is how your identity is being shaped. And then it shapes your mood. It plays a role in, you know, your irritability, your progress, your motivation, your self, your ultimate self-esteem. So you may exaggerate it and you may act prideful, but deep down you're, 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 you're unhappy and there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of anxiety, sometimes at the root of this, the sin and of course, pornography and is that you have 
fear and anxiety and depression. You feel so bad and you feel, you know, you feel so anxious because something's wrong and you're holding a secret. We weren't meant to live in secrecy. We were meant to live in transparency, just like Adam and Eve were uh, made to live. You know, they were naked and they were not ashamed, but when they sin, then they wanted to cover up. And then there's fear, there's shame, there's all these things. And that plays a role in our identity, how we show up in the world and our mental health. It also affects, you know, your ability to relate, you know, are you outgoing? Do you want to go do things with people? Nothing, um, nothing stays the same. Your identity becomes hijacked by pornography. And so let's go right into it. We're talking about porn's impact. It hijacks your personality, your attachment style, your spirituality. It just takes over it. You know, there was a saying that if you let the devil ride, he wants to drive. Well, if you let pornography ride, it wants to drive and it becomes the steer of your life, of your attachment style, of who you are, your spirituality. And it literally, these are biologically some of the things that happen. It literally changes the size of your brain. They've done brain images and it shrinks your brain and it shrinks the function it changes the functioning of your brain. Remember what wires to get, what fires together, wires together. So you have just adjusted your brain, um, the chemicals in your brain unnaturally. Remember sex, the way God designed is organic. It's the best. Anything organic is always good for your body. Anything manufactured or anything artificial has side effects. And the side effects of pornography is that you get too much dopamine. You get too much, too many pleasure chemicals. And so now your natural brain shuts off and say, okay, you've got this. We've been hijacked. You take control. And now you desire, you need more and more where you just started out where you know, same sex pornography was something that made you aroused. Now you need more because the brain needs um, a novelty. It needs new and you need more and you need more intensity, more in frequency. And remember that, it, that hell and destruction are never full. So you seek more and more. And, and pretty soon, if you don't have that, you've just changed your mood and now you're depressed. Now just going to the movies is not good. Now just having uh, relationships with your loved ones and hanging out, you know, playing cards, it's not good enough because you've just rewired your brain for a super stimuli, stimuli, which is all of that rush of pleasure chemicals and reward. You have just changed the dimensions of your brain and how your brain functions. You've gotten into the kitchen, you've hardwired something, and now you have a mess. You've created a Frankenstein. And that's the same with addiction. The same happens. You need more. Your tolerance level, like it, it becomes... Like you can tolerate more, you need more and it needs to get more kinky. It needs to get more, um, like more fantasy, more violence. That's why they say serial killers. Most serial killers have a history of watching pornography because of it just, it induces more, um, desire to do, to go out on the ledge. You need more excitement to receive more ecstasy. So when you start tampering, when you open Pandora's box, you've opened up a world of just chaos and a world of dysfunction. It fries your dopamine levels. And then what it does to your body, um, even if you're young, you know, even at 50, you shouldn't have erectile dysfunction issue unless you're on some medication for high blood pressure or something like that. But whenever you have erectile dysfunction, it could be related. You need to check to see, is it related to the, the impact of porn on your physical body? Because what it does is it, um, it, it eventually, it just, it just, 
numbs your genitalia area. It enlarges your prostate and it just, it's like you wear it out. You can wear it down and you can wear it out where it's just now the nerves, you fry the, the nerves that are attached to your genitalia and now it's just numbing and it's just, you can't even get, get an erection or have an orgasm because you have damaged the nerves connected to your genitals. Also for your body, it could cause you to lose your hair because all of that producing of the testosterone, the chemicals, um, it changes into a DHT and it's responsible for healthy hair growth. You can begin even in your 20 when they're starting to lose hair earlier because there's a disproportionate amount of testosterone being produced because when you, like I said, when you start using porn, you have to have more and you have to have it more intense and more frequency and more intensity. And so it's just constant. So your body begins to suffer. It impacts your body. You lose motivation. All you want to do is porn. That's why you're at work. You're always on your phone. You're always, you can get fired from your job. You have no motivation. Nothing else brings you pleasure. So your brain is geared to go where the pleasure is. And the pleasure, if the pleasure is not with human beings, you begin to attach to a screen where that becomes your reality. You become implanted into screen world, into pornography world. And then you begin, you can have lower back pain um, because it affects your your kidneys and all of those things and poor attention, your concentration level, because remember your brain is being impacted. We already talked about um, your moods, how, you know, irritability, depression, anxiety, all of those things because the serotonin levels are off. And so you feel empty, you, it messes with your moods. And then you, the fatigue is also becomes an issue, uh, adrenal fatigue, because you need your, all of these chemicals are produced when you're masked, when you're binge watching porn and you're working your body out in extreme overdrive. So now you have adrenal fatigue, um, where you're just tired. You're just, you know, you're, you're, it, it slows your metabolism. So you usually start to gain weight. You don't want to exercise. You just, you're just not motivated. And again, it enlarges your prostate and genital numbing. So those are some of the impacts of pornography. When you can just get married and have healthy, beautiful sex, sex was supposed to, sexual intercourse with your spouse is supposed to bring bonding, health, longevity of life, vitality, even birth of another human being. It was for procreation of life. It was not for death. Anytime you don't use it, anything the right way, more specifically sex, it equals death in the form of your body decaying, your brain decaying, sexually transmitted diseases, relationships dying, finances dying, self-esteem dying. It is death. When you don't choose life, you choose death. So choosing to do things under the principle of God's word affords you the ability to have sex in life. But pornography is sex and death. So you get to choose. We're always, we're choosing beings. God allows us to choose, but you get to know the consequences. Well, you pay now, you pay, you enjoy now, but down the road you pay later. And people say, oh, pornography is normal. It, you know, it's innocent. I'll just have a little bit, but it's just like with, um, drinking who can have a little just like with Doritos no one can eat just one just like with Lay's no one can eat just one because you open up your appetite and you change your brain and you change your cravings and your desires so a little bit is it 
ends to be a lot. It's just not, it's like taking a little poison. It still hurts you, right? It's still not good for you. So edging, what is edging? Edging is what some people feel like, well, I just watch porn. I don't masturbate or I don't, you know, have sex with it. I only, I just watch it this way. So it's not that bad. Remember bad is still in that bad and it's still a gateway to your, your spirituality. And it's still impacting you because Jesus himself acknowledged that you can have a whole sexual encounter in your head. And that's what voyeurism and edging is about where you're watching porn, you're at work, you're with other people, or you're, you know, at different places. And your objective is not to um, ejaculate, but just to get that pleasure. So you're storing all of that dopamine. And and what makes that even worse is that at least with ejaculation, you're resetting your body, but with edging, you're just consuming porn, consuming porn, consuming porn. So you're elevating your dopamine and pleasure level. You're keeping it so high that when you try to stop, or when you, um, decide that you want to stop edging and just watching porn, your body has the same react physical reaction as it would if you were on heroin, if you were trying to kick heroin. And that is a sign that your brain has been rewired, your moodiness, you're feeling sick, your body aching, because you have just disrupted the, the natural, the organic way, the chemicals in your body function. So your body resists and your body withdraws and your body begins to crash and it begins to show you that it has cravings. So edging is dangerous as well. You're just as guilty and you've just harmed your body and even more with just feeling like I'm just watching it. So signs of addictions, where, where are we? Oh, we're doing good. Signs of addiction. What are the signs? What are the signs? Well, one, you have to look at the moral violation. Like, even though, you know, I shouldn't be watching this, this is against my, my faith or this is bad. If you hear the little voice telling you this is bad, or if you're able to see two women having sex and you know, morally, that's not even something you believe. And you're now you're able to watch it or two men having sex or sex with children. And and morally you're like, well, that's them. That's not me. I just, you know, I like watching it, but I would never do it. Then you are, um, you're in moral violation and you're, you're sinning against yourself and you're going against, you're creating a cognitive dissonance where you know what's right, but because of pleasure, you're willing to compromise. So that's step one. And then you start to want to manifest like, well, I'm going to try this little move on my wife. I'm going to try this little move, you know, I'm going to try this little move. And the problem with that is not that you can't become creative, but when it's inspired by pornography, then all you're doing is reenacting that event. You're not engaging with your spouse. You're engaging in that sexual memory that you had. And she's just a participant. She's not, you're not on the, you're not in oneness and you're not trying to pleasure her, but you're still trying to pleasure yourself. And you're trying to recreate a pleasurable experience that is embedded into your eyes, into your mind. So you start to manifest it, you know, reality, you want the reality of it. And it's step by step. You might want to try, um, God forbid, I know that people who go to church struggle with this, where you might want to invite somebody into your bed, or you might want to watch pornography and have sex. So you, you begin to want to create things, you know, and you get to ask each other, Oh, okay. Where'd you get that from? You know, that was, that was, that was, that was, but where'd you get it from? Like what's going on? You get to question, 
you get to question because sometimes a lot of that, they just like with kids when they're sexually abused, they don't have the language or they don't understand what's going on, but they reenact it with their dolls. They reenact it with other kids because there is a desire to reenact. The brain has a memory and it's trying to reach that pleasure and it's trying to get that reward by doing the same action. Number three, are you using it for self-soothing? Self-soothing, meaning that do are you waking your partner up in the midnight hour, not just because you love them and you want to join with them, but because maybe you saw something on TV that got you hot and bothered or because you're watching pornography and you need to wake them up. I've had clients tell me this, that just throughout the night that they just wake them up and they just, they just need it like a bottle or a pacifier. And that becomes self-soothing. If you're self-soothing where you, you just need it to regulate your, you know, your anxiety or your depression and you're not doing it on, just to um, join with your spouse because it is true. It does relax you and it does help with anxiety. But initially you need to know that you're joining with your spouse. That is the major objective. Everything else is a, um, a reward. That's secondary gain. But the gain is that you're becoming one and you're help you're enjoying pleasure together, together with another human being together, intentionally pleasuring each other. That's the difference. Self-soothing is all about you. <clears throat> and then, you know, number four, that, um, that you might be addicted because um, traditional sex, it becomes not stimulating. Like I said, when you're watching pornography, you need novelty. You need something new. You need something more erotic. You need something more just to get an erection. You need something more just to ejaculate. So it's just, you're, you're on the path of more and more and more. And that's not all. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. But the flesh, as we read in Proverbs 27 and 20, will never be satisfied. So you just continue. You'll max out, you know, at Victoria's Secret. You'll max out with sex toys. You'll max out and you'll do all of these tricks and gamuts, not understanding that you're not joining, but that you are uh, operating in repetition compulsion. You're, comp you're compulsively repeating stimulation that someone has seen on television or in pornography. So you got to watch that. And finally, number five, and we've kind of talked about this with self-soothing, it's escapism. If you're using it because you feel bad, you feel depressed and you want to escape and you don't want to think about anything, if when, when sex and becomes, when pornography becomes a drug that helps you not to deal with your reality and you literally know that you are stepping away from reality into utopia, then you have, you are addicted. And, and nothing else works, no food, no hanging out with family members, no beautiful sunset, no church service, nothing allows you to feel as good as pornography and you're choosing it to, and you're escaping with it. You've just rewired your brain to, um, teach your brain that this is the only way that I can cope. This is the only way that I can, um, tolerate what I'm feeling. I have to escape. Reality doesn't work. My job is not meaningful. My relationships are not meaningful. I don't have a meaningful hobby. I need to escape. So it becomes your God. It becomes instead of prayer. Now you're looking for sex to make you feel better. Instead of, um, you know, reading his word, you go to pleasure. And that is the adultery of escapism. So healing, this is how we're going to get help. Boy, we're doing good. Am I talking fast? You guys let me know. Tell my tech, he'll tell me to slow it down, but we're doing good. We're making good time, but healing. The first step is knowing and believing that sin separates you. 
knowing that you are disconnected from God's plan for your life, knowing that God has a better way for you, hating what God hates, loving, embracing, and trusting God that his ways are good and acceptable, that he is all knowing that he designed sex. So I'm going to follow his design for sex. He knows what's best for me. So turning to God, sin separates. We've seen that with Adam and Eve, and it will continue to separate you. So the the healing begins with turning back to God for pleasure, turning back to God to help you deal with depression, turning back to God to help you to deal with any abuse, turning back to God, making God priority. And this is the challenge that I have with secular counseling because you, they tell you to go to counseling first, but in actuality, you need to go to God, the creator of sex, the creator of the body, the creator of the mind, turn to God first. Then number two, As you go to God or you go to your therapist or you go to someone or even you go to yourself, this is even before you go to your therapist, this is between you and God. The next person you have to be honest with is yourself. Assess what got me here. How did I get here? How did I get here? Be honest. Peruse back. How did I learn about sex? How did pornography get into the car? How did pornography begin to drive? Because early on, if you're sexually abused, it gets in the car. But then later on, it, it takes over and it drives and it consumes you. And you need to know, like, how did it get here? Like, what's the origin of my problem? Yes, we know all have sinned. We know sin is the initial Um, origin. And that's why we go to God. But after that, what experience, what traumatic experience did, was I abused? Was I left by myself? Did I self soothe with pornography? Like what happened? How did I get entangled? What, where did the entanglement begin? And then the second stage after, I mean, the second step after acknowledgement, this is still number two, you admit that you need help. Stop rationalizing it, stop minimizing it, and stop justifying it. Well, I'm a man. It's natural. It's not. It's unnatural. Natural is the way God designed. It's abnormal. It's abnormal, and it's not. It's not natural. It's not natural. So you can't rationalize it. Well, I need it, and I'm just going to do a little bit of it, or I'm going to go to to the altar and get prayer, or you know, this is my reward. I had a bad day, or nobody loves me. Nobody understands me. I can't get a woman. I can't get anybody. You know, all of the things we use to justify it. You have to assess that and, and just really be honest and say, I need help. Stop justifying, make no provision for your flesh. I need help. This is a problem. I'm in demonic activity and I'm out of control and I've just rewired my brain. I can't fix it by myself. I need help. Get, tell your pastor for accountability. And then you might want to get some therapy, sit down and unpack where, how you got there, the abuse and, and, and what happened and where you need to put the word of God because therapy It just allows you to devise a strategy. It lets you slowly look at what happened, how you felt, felt, and how it changed your brain, how it changed your attachment, and how it changed your identity. It's a discovery period. And then you take the word of God, and then you apply it to the things you discover. Because you cannot heal what's not revealed. And so therapy helps you reveal. Just like with demonic activity, Jesus when he asked the demons, what is your name? Because he wanted, he knew, but just by acknowledging it, then you know what you're dealing with. And then you know what, how you need to attack it and you know what word to put on it. 
And then um, we're still in number two, stop hiding it. That's you break intimacy, break covenant with the secrecy, because as long as it's in isolation and you're compartmentalizing and it's secret and it's you, you begin to hide it, you know, hide it. This is my pornography. This is my sexual addiction. It's mine. It's mine. It's all mine. It's private. And you gain a relationship with it. It's intimate. It makes you feel good. It has served you. It knows more about you than most people. It is your confidant. You know, you go to it when you're sad. It makes you glad. When I'm sad, it makes me glad. When I'm anxious. So you get this relationship with it. And then you have to begin to come public with it and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is the, uh, it's no longer intimate. So you have to stop hiding it. You have to become accountable and say, this is what I'm in a relationship with. And then each small step helps you rewire. So just by taking those steps, you begin the process of rewiring your brain. Number three, um, backward rationalization. Oh, I'm fine. You know, I can handle it. I haven't watched it in a long time. You get overconfident. And you say a little nudity won't hurt me. And then you're watching a little bit of it because you're not watching porn after all. You're just watching images on TV. And so, and you're still imagining it. And some people, when they're trying to stop porn and what happens is they dream about it. So it's still in your head. So you have to be careful. If it's still in your head, then you're still fighting. If you're still sexualized and thinking about it all the time, although you're not watching it, it's called like a dry drunk, like people who are abstaining from alcohol, they're not drinking. But if you're thinking about it, if you remember in those days, if you're remembering the good old taste and the good old smell and the laughter and the good old smells and the good old feelings, then you're not engaging but now the fight is just in your head so you have to clear your head and then number four um number four is the 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 process of neuroplasticity this is the work that you put in replacement behaviors because remember you're rewiring you're trying to get your brain back to where it used to be you're trying to bring it back to its baseline you're trying to rewire and it takes time depending on the severity of your use it could be three months to three years but it has to begin somewhere. And God knows when your heart is right and how much work you put in, not just go to the altar and say, take it from me, whatever you say, that's not going to cut it. You're going to have to get help and strength. We strengthen one another, but you're going to have to say, no, the word of God says, resist the enemy and he flees. It says, don't make provision for your flesh. Don't set evil before your eyes. Evil communication corrupts good manner. So you have to guard your space. You have to cast down imaginations. You have to participate. Your no is your deliverance. Your consistent no, just like with uh, Joseph, he fled from Potiphar's wife. He didn't negotiate. He didn't have a standoff. But what he did was he fled. So the Bible tells us that you're going to have to resist and you're going to have to replace behaviors. It's going to take your participation and rewiring your, your brain. You broke it you get to fix it. That's empowering. You cannot just see yourself as the helpless victim that the pastor has to pray it off of you. The praise leader has to pray it off of you. Your wife has to pray it off of you. Your parents have to pray it off of you. They can support you, but you rewired your brain. Now you have to rewire it back and it's going to take replacement behaviors behaviors. It's going to take accountability. It's going to take knowledge about what has happened to your brain. That's what therapy does. It also teaches you about what you're fighting, what addiction is and what has transpired and how to set up coping skills and what triggers are, what triggers you, what causes you to fall into the, 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 the pornography. You have to become aware. You have to become mindful of that. And you have to be aware of that 
You have to change your brain. The Bible says, be ye transformed in Romans 12 by the renewing of your mind. Meaning the, the Bible supports neuroplasticity, which is the rewiring and the producing of new neurons and new cells in your brain so that you can become healthy, so that you can rewire your, your pleasure system, your dopamine, your motivation system, and so that you can be, be healthy, but you have to find on purpose replacement behaviors. The, you have to seek out loving relationships where before you don't want to be attached, you have to create healthy attachment and you can start with God and his love for you and loving him back and then loving yourself and then loving people. So you have to replace the isolation of porn with relationships. God first, start with him. He's the safest person to start a relationship with. He loves you. He won't hurt you. He won't sin against you. He'll teach you how to love yourself. And then you can practice loving yourself. And then you can connect to other people. So it's connection over isolation. And then find meaningful work. You know, find the thing, your purpose, the thing that God placed in you, your talent and your gift, something that gives you a reward, something that motivates you to get up in the morning. Because remember, you're replacing all of the chemicals, all the rush that you used to get from pornography. Now you're placing it in places where it should be a meaningful job, a purpose in life. You know, your contribution, what did God create me for? Find your purpose in life and work it. Find why you were created. Because that will stimulate you. That will give you life. That will give you pleasure. That will give you reward. That will stimulate naturally organic chemicals in your brain of pleasure and of satisfaction. Find a hobby, something that makes you laugh, something that makes you feel alive, something that is enjoyable and pleasurable. Again, that naturally stimulates your mind and allows the pleasure chemicals to be enacted in your brain. Something organic. There's nothing like organic laughter. I tell you, the Bible says laughter is medicine, and it is. I mean, I laugh so much. That's part, that's part of who I am. Laughter is a part of who I am. And if you're so serious and you can't laugh, I bet you something's going on. You're eating, you're doing pornography, you're doing something because your brain is hardwired to seek reward. Even if you're using church as a drug, some people use church as a drug, you know, not that they're going to um, necessarily do what the Bible says, but they like going to conferences. They like the hype of songs and they like the hype, the emotions of being with people and they like the hype, but that is not natural. You know, that is using church to get off and that's not using God, church and God as a relationship an exchange of oneness. That's not, you're not supposed to escape in that way. So find a hobby, find something that challenges you. Like I made it to the mountain reward. I made it to the top. I'm, or just, I'm, I'm golfing or I'm uh, rowing or whatever it is that get, gets your blood flowing. Do that and replace the, the other behaviors. So again, if you don't do those things, your brain will crash. Your brain will crash. You'll, your brain will crash. You'll be mush. You won't be motivated. You'll lose relationships. You'll lose your, your, your relationship with God. You'll lose your relationship with yourself because you'll just be despicable in your own sight. You'll lose your relationship with others. You'll probably accumulate more weight because then one sin allows another. You're overeating, gambling, sex, uh, shopping. It just becomes just like out of control. So you, you, if you don't change your brain and if you don't become knowledgeable of the danger of pornography, it will impair your identity. 
it will impair your uh, attachment style and you will never be the person that God died for you to have. That concludes our session. I hope you all got something. If you have any questions, shoot them at me um, because it's possible. Don't let anyone sell you the gloom and doom. I'll always be like this. I'll never be delivered. Deliverance is possible. And that's why if, if you change your mind, you change your, your, your direction of your life and you can renew. Your brain can be renewed. The Bible owns the scripture that talks about be ye transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. What you put in God's word, God's will. And if you walk in it, behavior, change it. And then you will begin to change next week on hope Wednesday. We're going to start talking about temple care. Shout out to my niece, Chanel Reyes and her new line. We're promoting, um, temple care, temple care. And we're going to be looking at foods, what we're eating for mental health. We're going to be looking at exercise because I found out that exercise, they, they have some studies that they don't publicize, um, in the open that exercise works better than serotonin pills, like the pharmacy, just exercise. So we're going to talk about exercise and we're going to talk about sleep and we may talk about forgiveness because that's part of, um, self-care. Um, but, or I might, um, hold that back to September, but definitely we're going to talk about the role of eating, sleeping, and exercise and your mental health. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Please share this with someone who may be privately suffering or know someone who's privately suffering and give them hope that they can have a better life and that God died for them to have life and have it more abundantly. And there is hope. God bless you.